everyone has a story to share that shapes the very foundations of who we are. And sometimes these stories become obstacles that we can't move past and we find ourselves stuck. A Modern Shaman is an original podcast series that shares these stories, the shit we all go through and the ability to overcome it. Get ready to laugh, cry, and become inspired as we share and find comfort in the stories that connect us. Join your hosts, Shaman Isabella and Kimberly Harlan, each week on A Modern Shaman as they explore ways for you to discover healing, growth, and joy. Learn how letting go of trauma can open up a world full of beauty that awaits us all. So, can we ask you, what's your story? This is A Modern Shaman. Hey Kim, how's it going? I have so much to say. I'm bursting at the seams. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Can't wait. That I burst at the seams or? No, 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 no. Right. Both. Well, yeah. Well, I was kind of bursting at the seams with the wedding dress I chose. Oh my God, you're getting married. I know. I know. Yeah. Who would have thunk? How many, how many is this? Oh, it's my second. Oh, Okay. Yeah, just, it's just only good. my second. Just whatever. No, the the you know the one that I got married to when I was fourteen and passed when I was twenty six and was here. Uh, I I I don't even want to go into it because we're not talking about that today. But yeah, he was here to teach me a lot of lessons. That is the thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. These, these people, husbands, come into our lives, <laughs> relationships, whatever, fiancés. Uh, to teach us lessons, to and we have to lessons. just keep reminding ourselves of that. Yeah. So I got a phone call from my brother in Switzerland today. Okay, wait a minute. Right today? Well, okay. So yesterday, and actually, I called him. So let's back up. Yesterday, I get I wake up to a text message. Okay. From my brother. So my father, as we know from the first podcast in our DNA episode, had this whole other family in France. And I, 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 you know, yeah, Yeah. he was the first (laughs) one. There's no words. He looks just like my dad. Uh And I, I, uh, he struggled like I did and he doesn't speak English. Mm -hmm. And so he reaches out to me yesterday Hello, sister. So with broken, broken English, I have uh, no drugs, no alcohol, seven years. I was like, what? Oh, fantastic. Good for you. And, and his sister, Daphne, uh, which was the one that came first to America and found us. And my father uh-huh. said, oh, uh-huh. you should go visit your uh, sisters in L.A. Oh, and Daphne. Thanks. Thanks, Daphne, Daphne was like, uh, what? what? I didn't even think that was possible. So she had flown out from Switzerland to meet him. Mm-hmm. And that was the 80s when this husband was dying of cancer of the colon. Okay. And um, was, yeah, so she came and she met him and we were close. And then I, you know, slipped, tripped and bumped my head once again and ended up back in prison. And she came to visit me. I mean... And she had struggled with her brother, you know, and uh-huh. her, our brother and, and his addictions in, in Switzerland. And so, you know, it was it was very difficult for her. 
And she came to see me in Idaho and she met Luis, uh, my fiance now, 20 years ago. And then she just disappeared. Uh And so the other two sisters who were adopted to different families, I know it's getting confusing, right? So... Yeah, a little bit, and the, I'm still stuck on the, the, the when I <laughs> when I went to prison. Part, right. Oh, but, but we'll, shit. Some All right. Day. So yeah, podcast for another time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Daphne was one of three sisters and had a brother. Daphne and Victor were adopted out to the parish. The if you these guys are, could your see her face right now, it would be classic this is why we're supposed to be doing this live did my no my no, face my, my face is perplexed <laughs> your face is dropped what? um so let's yeah my dad was in his 50s this woman was in her 20s right she uh had children right. and then gave them up for adoption oh because she wasn't allowed to keep them because he kept promising he would come and marry her, I guess. I, I don't really know the full story. Yeah, so two of them went to a parish and was raised by the pastor, I guess. And then one was adopted out and then the last one was adopted out. So they all have, I guess, three separate families. Not huh. I guess, they have three separate families. Then he had a daughter by the woman he ended up marrying and she gave that child up for adoption and I went to meet her in Santa Monica okay. a few years ago. So there's that. And then my three sisters were, were raised by my mother and my dad was right, in and right. out of our lives. Right. So, but, you know, a great being. I, I don't hold anything against him. I love him. So you heard from your brother? What's his can, name? His name is my dad's name. So oh, Victor. Okay. And uh, he's, you know... Gosh, much older than I. I I don't really know. Must be in his 70s. Around the same age as my oldest sister, I think, which is like 74. Mm -hmm. So anyway, he called. It was beautiful. We had this connection. And then I realized that today's show is on sobriety. (laughs) Okay, so your brother from Switzerland has also had um, addiction issues. Right. And you have had addiction issues? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I... Um, in prison? It's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I look at you and you're just not, you know, prison material. So, not at so, all. Not at I all. I wasn't then so either. I mean, it was 1987, uh, I think, when I first uh-huh. got arrested and started wow. going in and out and in yeah. and out until finally possession with intent to sell, you know, catches oh. up with you. And you end up doing a couple of years, which okay. I did a year of. Um, but yeah, that whole story is for another time because we have a guest. Yeah, today we're going to talk about addiction and sobriety and um, the impact that both things have had on our lives. And um, I also have had a lot of addiction in, in my life, although I've not been the addict. So I've been on the other side. I had um, myself, I had... A, father who was a very lovely, happy, raging alcoholic. Um, 
he was abusive verbally to my mom a lot, but they broke up when I was 10. So that went away. That was a good thing. Yeah, but um, still you had 10 years of imprints. Oh, imprints, yeah. Imprints. Oh, yeah. And then I had a life, the rest of his life, I'm I'm still watching him do this to himself. Basically. Oh, he's still alive. No, no, no. He dropped dead in the shower. Oh, wow. Um, from the abuse that he put his body through. Right. Um, at 69. So he, um, you know, he, he lived the way he wanted to, and then it got a hold of him. Live hard, die hard. Big time. Right there, down in the shower. Wow. Um, I ha- I have. Wait my- a minute. This is the dad that was the yes, uh, yes that we talked about in the beginning. Yeah, my yeah, my dad. Who's, the race car who's, driver. Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, Korean. Korean. Yeah. Korean. Yeah. Wow. Um, but very successful guy. You know, ended up um, coming back from the Korean War and going to USC on the GI Bill. So you know, he was a professional and. Um, but my, my mother's sister, um, who is still alive, lives um, here in L.A. She's definitely, you know, she's, she's an alcoholic and really kind of tortured me throughout my childhood. She would call and, and um, call in the middle of the night and want to talk to me and tell me all these crazy things about my mother. And that was pretty abusive. I didn't Very. know how to process that. And, it's crazy, isn't and then it? I married um, a man who, over the course of a 12-year marriage, became a, just uh, a, a, an alcoholic yeah. doing very dangerous things with the kids involved, too. So, um, Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I've always questioned it about myself. I, I watch myself very closely because of those things. And I have to say that during COVID, um, I felt like there was a bit of a tipping point. Well, well I COVID was a tipping oh, point for many of us. For many of us and yeah. for many things, whether it was food or alcohol or Netflix. Or you know? shopping. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what can I get delivered to me? Right? Like, I was so mad that Home Depot wouldn't deliver paint to me. So, like, <laughs> I remember that. You know, I just like, yeah, what can we consume right. to make ourselves feel, feel better? better? Fill that hole. Yeah. So, um so but you're you, sober right now. You're not drinking. Yeah, I, um, well, I, I actively started a campaign, very internal. Last year, maybe last summer, um, I thought, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to stop drinking. And I couldn't. I didn't. I'm here at a restaurant. I own a restaurant. I'm here with at lovely late wine. every yeah. night with a glass of wine and, or two. You know, and I finish up my work and I go home and I crash out. Or I have another glass of wine and I keep watching Netflix until three o'clock in the morning. That's what was happening. To unwind. Yeah. yeah. So um, I started doing self-hypnosis. I bought all of these uh, downloads and just would wow. go home and do this self-hypnosis thing every night and, and not drink, but it didn't work. So what made me stop drinking, the first week of October passed, um, I got a call from the doctor. And I just went in for a regular, it'd been two years. I just like, you know, go and have my blood taken. Whatever. She said, Kim, you have uh, elevated liver enzymes. We need to test this in one month from now. See what's going on. You've never had this before. And you need to like, you know, no aspirin, um, no Tylenol, no alcohol. And I was like, "Ah, okay. Oops. But that was what I need. It was like a yeah. gift from heaven. Yeah. It, I had yeah. been like praying for this in a weird way. Yeah. But now my th- my health was threatened and it could be the alcohol, obviously. Um, so 
I just stopped Good that girl. day. <clears throat> I stopped and something else miraculous came. I started losing weight. And I had gained, <laughs> you know, the COVID-19. You know, it's, it's not like that, Norbert. You get sober, you get fat. I don't know what happened. You're so lucky. This is, it, it, yeah. was, it was like a miracle. So I started losing weight and um, now I've lost 23 pounds. Congratulations. And now it's not about, and I went and got the ultrasound. I did more tests, blood. I'm fine. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with my liver or any of my other organs. But now it's just pure straight up vanity. But you know that's uh, spirit working in your life. Right? Exactly. Exa that's why I'm saying it yeah, was, that was spirit it was a gift. It really was. Yeah, that's vanity is what uh, keeps me going back to not drinking, although I go back to drinking. My addiction was hardcore drugs. I mean, I was a heroin addict. I was on meth. I was on cocaine. Every pill known shaking to man. Shaking my head, shaking my I head. I wish we were live right now so everybody Whoa. could see. You know, and there's no shame to my game. Uh, and I was five years sober, hardcore Narcotics Anonymous. I, I, I loved the program. Um, and then uh, whatever happened, slip, tripped, bumped my head one day. And the next day I was back in and I had another three years. So I really had like eight years of hardcore clean time, <clears throat> which is different than sobriety. Because in AA, uh, they wouldn't accept me. They never accepted me in AA because they were like, you're a drug addict. You're not an alcoholic. And I'm like, well, I feel like I'm struggling with alcohol. So why? Right, right. and, and we say alcohol is a drug. So, uh, you know, um, but then <clears throat> my story is that, you know, so mm -hmm. then I was hanging out with teachers and my life was totally together and I was getting my master's degree and I'd have dinner parties and wine and, and I'd never, ever, ever experienced that because I was in the bathroom shooting dope. I mean, I was never, you know, so for the first in time you experienced like, um, moderation, I experienced moderation, but I also experienced camaraderie and this energy around like normal oh. people having a dinner party with oh. wine and not. And, and I could still yeah, get buzzed. Like, yeah. I was like, wait a minute. But you didn't have to excuse yourself to the bathroom to do Yeah, to, to go do a line of coke. Fuck or yourself go, you know, yeah. would Never. I would never. Thank God. It's been 31 years. I haven't touched nice. you know, Good. anything like that. But I, um, but I struggled with being okay with myself because of the program. So you cannot really, once you're in the program... Drink or use successfully ever again. So because well, I couldn't because my mind would always, which is a good thing, right? Would always go to, oh shit, oh no. So yeah. I brought this guest on, which we're getting to right now, uh, to talk about her experience and this book that she's read. So I'd like to introduce the book that she's written, uh, read, which I'm reading. <laughs> Thank you. The book that she's written. Uh, so her name is Linda Saslow. She's written a book called See You Zen. Uh, and she has been a friend of mine for a while. Come to uh, fire ceremonies when we used to have them at the Orange County Healing Center. So I know I just sort of threw up my story, uh, but I, I could go on and on as we were talking about earlier. Um, so welcome, Linda. Thank you, Isabella and Kim. Um, yeah, I wrote this book, um, See You Zen, which is my first novel over the 
first, um, the first kind of portion of it was written when I was still drinking in 2016, 2017, which was the height of my drinking. And then I stopped drinking January 2nd, 2018 and got horrible writer's block for four months. I was really focused on my sobriety, had nagging cravings, had nightmares, couldn't write for a good four months. Um, and then when I did start writing again, when I was about five months sober, and what got me writing again was hypnotherapy. Um, and yeah, the book took a different shape. And it's a book that's a diary of debauchery, which is a lot of things I did in my 20s. Um, and she becomes sober in the last third of the book. And the things she does to get sober and keep sober are things I did when I was 48, 49 years old. So there's a gap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a, there's a gap. And it's set, it's a character that's the age of my older daughter, a millennial who is living in Orange County doing very modern things. And I really, I realized when I was six or seven months sober, in the summer of 2018, I had this freedom and happiness and joy I hadn't experienced for a decade. And yeah. um, well, and that's that experience, strength and hope. I have to go back to the Diary of Debauchery because I really think that's a fantastic title. Yeah, next I book. think the next book you write could be the Diary of Debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great a title. Um, but yeah, that. Uh, the freedom from active addiction is unprecedented. I mean, I, I, when I, it was 1991 when I finally had freedom from active addiction and I was like on fire. I did everything I could. I that was my experience the second half of 2018. I did yoga teacher training. I started teaching yoga. I, you know, was full force into writing this book. The book actually really took shape during the pandemic. This was my pandemic coping mechanism was finishing this book. You didn't drink, you wrote. Good I, girl. Yeah. And um, I've been a writer for 40 years, but I'd never written a novel before. And it was just like I had to learn new tricks as a fiction writer. And it was just, it was fun. It was pure yeah, fun. Yeah, and you know, you can feel, uh, I don't know if this is a word, the funness. But you can feel the funness of the character. So I have not finished the book, and we just sort of threw Kim into the mix right now. Um, but I have read enough of it to feel the energy of the character. So I feel that you have captured her youth, you've captured her vitality, um, and uh, it's a fun. It's a fun read. It's a real. You know, it's an easy read. It's a fun read. Um, and good job. I can't, Thank you. I can't wait to read it. And I was just wondering, um, you, so you, your main character's name is Kiki, right? Yeah. So Kiki is a millennial in the, in the book. Yes. But you are bringing your, uh, a different generation's perspective, your generation's perspective. It's my generation's perspective. I have two daughters in their twenties and I kind of, shaped it around sort of life experience they had, but put my addiction in my 20s into 
which they're not addicts, but I put my addiction problems of my 20s into characters that were based on my daughters. And well, I um, really like the relationship that is your mother and grandmother, so that you brought in all the different generations. So mm -hmm. uh, I really like that. I've, I've gotten to the part of the strawberry jam, and you know, I, it, it touched me that whole well, like. She does have a certain wholesomeness about her, yeah. even though she's an active, you know, cannabis user and, you know, wine and just, she's just. Mushrooms. She, yeah, she does mushrooms once, which I did mushrooms when I was 21. So I threw that in. Mushrooms are becoming more and more popular. Oh, so like, I wanted to the, throw it in. Yeah, no, it's very, very smart of you because they're not there to be all end all. I mean, they're becoming legal in multiple states. And curing depression. Probably sure. And um, I have friends who are micro, microdosing, um, which I wouldn't do at this point because I'm really, I value my level headedness at this point. I don't, you know. I stopped smoking weed when I was 26 years old, basically because of asthma. And I honestly didn't stop wanting to smoke weed until I stopped wanting alcohol. Wow. I, so once I stopped wanting the alcohol when I was two and a half to three years sober, um, I didn't want anything. I wanted to just be straight and level-headed yeah. All the time. It's interesting you say that because I love marijuana. I, I, I think it's a beautiful thing. I love the smell of it, but I cannot smoke it anymore. It it puts me in such an altered state. I don't know if it's the shamanism. Weed has changed also. I don't I would never touch it anymore. The I just smoked some C B D with some synthetic THC in it and it fucked me up and I will never do that again. Yeah. It makes I don't know. I it's used to weird. really love it's, yeah. doing it because it dumbed me down. It made the most mundane things kind of hard and interesting for me. This is just for me. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I just did it, and I was trying to because when you stop drinking, it's not easy. No, it's yeah. not easy at all. There are there are like you're like, well, what else can I do? What do I what, do now? What, what can I do? So I discovered CBD and which I've been taking to for um, drops through, you know, all of COVID to boost my immune. CBD is an amazing. Um, if, if made correctly. Yes. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you got to be careful, but. You have to research um, all of your. Yes. All of your vitamins. All, whatever you put into your body. Hopefully. But, um, but smoking um, the flower, the CBD uh, was something that I found, and I don't do it very often at all. I mean, maybe every couple months at the most, but, you know, just like a little chill, no high whatsoever. Oh, interesting. And, um, you haven't done that. Well, then I accidentally, um, <laughs> <laughs> got the one with the synthetic, um, like teeny tiny bit of THC in it. And I called my son. I go, what did I just do? What is this? <laughs> He's like, that's dirty, mom. That's dirty THC. Oh, so so I'm thing. cooking dinner and I am so freaking stupid that I was like, <laughs> wait, do I need to put that in or do I need to put that back in the refrigerator? And it took me like an hour to figure out how to make pasta. So <laughs> like so, the good old days. But the, yeah, kidding. exactly. Do the dishes. Yeah, I'm going to get high. It'll be so interesting. But um, my point is when you stop drinking or whatever you're trying to stop, 
you you do look for like um an alternative you look for little lifeboats you look- my lifeboat was meditation i got full force into being a skilled meditator um Good for i you. early in my sobriety in january 2018 i started going to meditation classes i started um i I started going several places to do meditation classes. It was kind of like my routine to go to several places a week to do meditation classes. And I got really good at it and it really relieved a lot of the stress and anxiety of early sobriety. I admit that now that I'm five years sober, I go to some restorative and yin yoga classes and I meditate, but I, I did an insight timer a lot early on. I hardly ever do insight timer anymore. Well, I'm on, I'm on insight timer. I'm addicted. Oh, you are. Yeah. I love insight timer. I'm addicted to insight timer. You can timer find, every I'll night. look you up. Right now, I just have the little ones, like, but they're the good vibes deck. So I did like two minute and 22 second sound bites of, you know, surrender to the beauty of life yeah, you- with this music. So they're very short, but I plan on doing more insight timer. Yeah, is a great I got way to meditate. To- yeah, not to interrupt, but I got to the point with my meditation within the first six months of sobriety, I could meditate really well for 45 minutes. Wow. But, you know, something that if my mind drifts during meditation, I pray. I like that is like my my fallback when my mind wanders. I start praying and that will clear the worry and the anxiety and then I'll fall back into that silent zone. What I do is mantras. So yeah. I, my mind starts to wander. I do mantras. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is really interesting. Touch your ear. So if you just touch the upper part of your ear like this, you can't think. Yeah. You cannot think and touch your ear at the same time. So if while you're meditating, your mind wanders, just touch your ear and the, and the body or the mind will go, what is she doing? What? And then just relax into the meditation. Yeah. But different ways, like if you're out there and you're struggling, AA is a wonderful way, but it's not the only way. NA saved my life, so I have nothing bad to say about that. But meditation is good. Uh, hypnotherapy is great. Self-hypnosis is wonderful. Yeah, And whatever. exercise. So Luis is yeah. always telling me, you know, because I'll do a year. And then I'll have some wine and then I'll do four months. I just came off of four months, but then it was my, you know, bridal shower dress thing. So yeah, whatever it is, uh, everything in moderation, I'm very, very grateful that I've not relapsed in that way where I'm back in a bathroom again. Right. Um, so that's super important. It's and that's very important to, to really, look at. Really, really um, uh, proud of yourself for, but when you do have, some champagne because you're trying on dresses with all of your best friends. Do you uh, wake up the next day and and beat yourself up a little bit? Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. That's something I work on. I yeah. work on going. You're you're not where you were. <clears throat> you're still the same person. Yeah. And that's Luis too. He's like you're 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 kind. You're generous. You're a beautiful human. You know, don't be so hard on yourself. But when you have the program, you know, it's like you're a bad person now. So in that kind of way, you know, to for those people that can't make it through the program or for those people who have been through the program and are struggling, you know, and, and want to find some other way 
find some other way. You have the strength within yourself. I happen to be an extremely strong individual. I also have my shaman practice. I also have my spirituality. So, you know, I have a lot of other things to fall back on. Um, I have tried to go back to the program years ago. I would try to go and it just didn't sit with me anymore. It just didn't, after 30 years, it's just, it's not the same. Yes, it did me a great service. Uh, And the beating yourself up, I mean, I do that or I can do that over eating too much, you know? So it's, Mm -hmm. it's how do we love ourselves through this? Yeah, I actually found early in my sobriety, and I'm in that zone again, that women's meetings were the safe haven for me. Um, I actually have gone to mixed meetings. I didn't start until I was three years sober, but I'm in the zone of women's meetings again. That's why in the book, it's the Sober Sisters, which is a knitting club that Everyone happens to be sober and share sobriety advice because AA doesn't want publicity. But really, the North Orange County AA women's groups were just wonderful for me early on. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm living down in Long Beach, I found I found a women's meeting in a park near my house that everyone is just so sweet. And um, I don't go every week, but when I do go, it's wonderful. Can you give some advice on finding those meetings? Um, AA has web pages, uh-huh. um, and not every single meeting is on the AA web pages. But I suggest going to a meeting that you find on the web page, make personal contacts, and then find out where, like park meetings and things like that are. There are meetings that are not on the web page, but you need to go to a brick and mortar meeting and sort of network. There's networking. Yeah. The, the other thing is uh, hotlines. So you can just Google AA or NA hotline and uh, find it there. So thank you so much, Linda, for yeah, joining really us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it. Again, the, um, the book's name is called See You Zen by Linda Saslow. Check it out. I, I found it on Amazon already, so yeah. you can get it there. And I'm sure we'll have a link in the... Um, yeah, it's paperback and Kindle now. Yeah, great. That's great. Well, here's to another good show. Love you, Kim. Love, Love you, you, Linda. Too. Love y'all. Thanks. Peace Bye. out, Thank you. people. Peace. Till the next time. See you on A Modern Shaman. <laughs>